Thank you for choosing the podcast of Four Mile Creek Baptist Church in Moss Point, Mississippi. To discover more about Four Mile Creek or what it means to follow Jesus, you can visit us online at www.fourmilecreek.org. Here is this week's message. And I'm starting off with this is because it kind of seems out of place for what he's about to write. Other translations might say, finally, or in conclusion, Philippians, I say this, uh, rejoice in the Lord. Um, the better translation is, I continue with saying this, it's not a finish. We used to joke when I was in youth group, we had a pastor, we called him the magic pastor, because he'd get to his final point, and he'd say, I'm about to finish, and then you'd find 25 more points in his pocket. We didn't know where he got them from, he just had many, many points, um, so we never knew when it was going to end. And Paul is not doing that here, he's not finishing He's just saying, hey, I want to continue with this. Really looking back to the first two chapters where he's talking about humility. He's talking about service. Uh, especially in 2, 13 through 15, he's talking about serving God and knowing that everything you do is for God. And so here, as we come into this passage, he's saying, as I continue what I've already been preaching to you, let's get into it. So if you have your Bible with you, let us read, starting in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3. And it says... In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord to you, write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity we have to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, to worship you through song, to worship you through uh, fellowship, and Lord, at this moment, to worship you through reading and studying your word. I pray for this time that we have, Lord, that you would just help remove distractions from our minds. Lord, I know there is a lot that goes on in our worlds. There's a lot that happens in our lives. But I pray just for this short time that we'd be able to push that to the side and focus on you and you alone. Lord, help us to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we start off verse 1 here. All right, Paul says, to, uh, to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. In verse 2, he says, watch out for the dogs, watch out for the evil workers, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, it seems like really random, Paul would throw that in, but what he's talking about here is that there are some Judaizers, there's some Jews that are from 
Jewish faith that are coming into Christianity and telling new believers, telling the Greek believers, hey, look, if you really want to be saved, you have to do these things, right? You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law. You need to do these things, and if you don't do them, you're not saved. Now, our first point this morning is going to be the importance of the gospel, as we look at the importance of the gospel, because Paul says, to write to you again about this is no trouble for me. Right? He, meaning he's told the Philippian church, he's told the Philippians this information already. And he's writing to them again. He says, hey, look, don't get upset and be like, oh, man, Paul's writing to us again. This is, must be a struggle for him. He's having to do this. He says, no, I find great joy in writing to you about this topic. Why? Because he sees great importance in telling and retelling the imp- uh, what the gospel is. Talking about the gospel. Now, application for us as we look to that is the fact that we, like Paul, shouldn't get upset about having to, or retelling the gospel to each other. We shouldn't see it as a burden to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ the gospel. The gospel is the cornerstone. It is the key to everything we do as Christians. Whether we're taking out trash, or whether we're teaching a Sunday school class, or serving in a ministry, or preaching on stage, no matter what we're doing, the gospel is the cornerstone to that. And if we do not have the gospel, there's no reason for any of it. At our church, we had just gone through a study in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll tell you what, that is a tough book to preach through because everything is just pointless. That's all it says. It's, everything's pointless. Solomon says, I've had all the gold. It's pointless. I have all the love I could ever have. It's pointless. I have everything. It's pointless. And then he finally ends it with, but God. But God makes everything worthwhile. Amen. And so when we look to the gospel, it's the, that's the key, is that for everything we do, because of the gospel, it's worthwhile. And so Paul is saying, look, I don't have a problem telling you this. And for us, we should be telling each other the gospel day after day. Every time we come together, we should remind each other of, hey, you know what Christ did for you? You know the amazingness of the cross, that Christ died for you because he loves you? That there is nothing that you do on your own, but Christ loves you and died for you. It's not about how many hours you spend at church. It's not about how many hours you spend in the Bible or in prayer. It is through the work of the cross that you are saved and Christ loves you. And we should just rejoice in that. Like we should have, every day we get them to come together, we should share that with each other. That's why we see in uh, Romans 1, 16 through 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to, who, uh, to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For, in the righteousness of God, uh, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the, righteousness, uh, the righteous will live by faith. And the gospel is the power of salvation. It is the power of everything we do. I know you guys are going through the book of Acts right now, and we actually just finished the book of Acts at our church. Um, and, man, the book of Acts is great. Other than the ending, which seems like it just randomly stops, the whole book is amazing. There is so much power that it's done throughout the book in the early church's life. Uh, things that I couldn't even fathom if we started acting like the early church, what we would look like across the country. Because if Christians just one day said, you know what, I'm going to sell everything and have and give half to the uh, poor, half to the needy, half to the widows and the orphans, like the whole world would get flipped upside down and they'd be like, what is going on with those people? And they do it not because they're told to do it. They do it because they love Christ so much. They want to do it. But Paul moves on from looking at the importance of the gospel, and he begins to look at the truth of the gospel. 
So we have the importance of the gospel. Second, the truth of the gospel. In verse 2, if we start over again, it says, Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Right? So once again, we see here this mentality Paul's going after of, look, it's nothing that you've done that brings salvation. There is absolutely nothing you and I can do to bring salvation. Uh, talking about those who mutilate the flesh, uh, we'll see in Acts 15 when you guys get there, there are some Judaizers that come along and they'll tell the church exactly what I said of, look, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. They blatantly tell Christians, unless you do these things we tell you to do, you're not saved. Paul is directly opposing that, saying, no, it is what Christ has done that you are saved. Amen. It is not about what you've done. Because I don't know about you, I do a lot of stuff. And if it was based on me to save myself, I would live in anxiety all the time. Because I'd be like, well, did I lose it today? Did I not do enough? Am I okay? Am I good enough? But it's not me. It's Christ. We just passed Easter where we worship and celebrate that Christ died on the cross. So I, uh, this Easter, I got to preach our Good Friday service. And in it, we focused on uh, the thief on the cross because what in the world could the thief on the cross do to earn his salvation? He's sitting there, hung on the cross, and one thief is mocking Jesus. Jesus is there in the middle, and this thief looks to him and says, Are you crazy? You are mocking God in the flesh right in front of you, suffering the same way you are, and he's done nothing wrong. And then he turns and says, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. He doesn't say, hey, look, you're going to have to go through some different classes we got. You're going to have to learn about these rules and these doctrines. You're going to have to do all these things before you can get to heaven. Oh, and by the way, I know you're on the cross, but we're going to need to circumcise you real quick. Like, he doesn't say any of that. He says, today, because of your faith, because you've put your trust in me, you will be with me in paradise. And so there is absolutely nothing you and I can do to earn salvation. We have to remember that salvation is through Christ alone. Amen. Craig and I, Pastor Craig mentioned that uh, we had seminary together and we had a lot of classes together. One of the classes we had was a evangelism class. Now, it sounds like something Christians should just do, but we had a class on it that talked about how to evangelize and different ideas and things about evangelism. Um, but in that class, one of our things we had to do was to go out and find, I think it was 10 people to share the gospel with throughout the semester. Had to have 10 gospel conversations. And I'll tell you what, that is weird to have a class like, I've got to do this, or Dr. Farmer is going to get on me. I better go find somebody to share the gospel with. But you'd go out, and you go to Walmart, go somewhere, and find someone. And you're like, hey, look, I got to do this for class, for a class I'm in. But do you know who Christ is? And the response you'd get is, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you could either move on and be like, oh, okay, cool. Let me go find some other lonely lost soul. Or you could start pushing on it and say, okay, what do you mean you're a Christian? If you ask the second question of what do you mean you're a Christian, the response you would get was, oh, well, my family goes to church, especially in New Orleans where everyone has a Catholic background. Oh, we have a long line of family that go to church. I've read my Bible once. I was baptized as a kid. I said a prayer. I did this or that. And there's like these little things that they say they did. So I'm here to tell you, like, that is not the gospel. It is not, hey, I did this, so I'm saved. Uh, I think... 
Alistair Begg, a preacher, he did a great job, and it was passed around a lot uh, this Easter from what I saw on Facebook. Um, but he had talked about that if we ever start our sentence, like if we get to heaven, and one day we get told, why should I let you into my kingdom? And we say, because I. If we start in the first person, we've done it wrong. Because I, nothing. There is nothing I can do to save myself. But the only correct answer is in the third person. It is he, because he died on the cross for my sins. Because he, he even talks about the thief on the cross, and he says that, he talks about the guy getting there. And they go, why, why, why are you here? What, why should I let you in? And the thief on the cross saying, because the guy on the middle cross said I could come. Like, that's it. That's the only way we get to heaven is because the guy in the middle said I could come. So there is absolutely nothing we can do. And that's the truth of the gospel. And when we go out into the world and we share the gospel with people, that's the message we bring. Is I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care what you're doing currently. I don't care. Christ loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And all there is is to accept it. To put your faith in Christ. No works. Don't clean yourself up. You don't clean yourself up to get in the shower. Christ doesn't want you to try and get rid of all your sin before you come to him. He wants you to come to him and allow him to work through you and remove that sin to become more like him. Uh, we see in Galatians six, fifteen. if I flip there, it says, For both the circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Right? Paul's writing to the Galatians in that. And he's talking really about this issue of, hey, you need to be circumcised, you need to do all these works. And he says, it doesn't matter whether you do all the works or you don't, all of that is meaningless. What's important is that Christ has made you a new creation, that he has transformed your life. We see the same mentality, and I encourage you that as you leave to look at John 3. Look at Luke 23, 32 through 43 with the thief on the cross. Look at what Christ says to Nicodemus and to the thief on the cross and how they're saved. It is not about their own works, but it's about being reborn. It's about being made new, being completely transformed, not by your own doing, but because of Christ. And we move from that. We see the importance of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and finally, the work of the gospel. So in the work of the gospel, um, we ask the question of what does that look like? Right? If we are made new, we've been made new by Christ, what does it look like for the gospel to be working in a believer's life. And I think verse 3 gives us that. So in verse 3 it says this. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit. So that's one of the marks it gives us is believers worship by the Spirit of God. Believers boast in Christ Jesus. And believers do not put confidence in the, fe in the flesh. So starting off, believers worship by the Spirit. The word worship there we can actually kind of look at the translation from the Greek. And a better phrasing of that is to live by or to, in everything we do by the Spirit, we do it by the Spirit. It's kind of what we talked about at the very beginning, that the gospel is our cornerstone, it is everything we do. And that's the first mentality Paul gives us here, is that in all we do, we do it by the Spirit. A great passage that digs into this is Romans 12, 1 through 2. If you don't know the verse, Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to through 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. 
And the very first part we see, it says, be a living sacrifice, which sounds ridiculous. How am I a living sacrifice? Sacrifices are often killed, especially when we look in the Old Testament. So what does it mean, living sacrifice? What it means is, what Jesus says, to die to ourselves. Not to literally die, but to take our old selves, the selves we knew before Christ, throw that in the trash, and then move on saying, everything I do, I'm going to do for Christ. If Christ tells me to jump, I'm going to ask how high. If he tells me to go there, I'm going to do it. If he tells me to not go there, I'm going to not go. For me, an example of this is when I was in Louisiana. I was putting my name in hats all over the country, trying to stay near Louisiana, looking towards the south uh, when I was looking to pastor where God was leading me to be a pastor at. And there was a church I saw in Pennsylvania. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's try this out. And I threw my name in the hat. Didn't think anything of it. Never thought they were going to call me again. Ended up talking to some churches in Arkansas and Georgia that I got pretty far along with in the process of talking through with them. And never gave another thought to Pennsylvania. Well, everything else fell through. Every door that I thought was open shut in my face. And I was like, God, what do you want from me? I'm standing here saying, bring me wherever you want. Well, bring me. Don't leave me here. Show me what you want. And then I get a phone call. I was on a mission trip, got a phone call, and I heard a voice on the other line that says, hey, this is Peter. I'm from this church. Are you still interested in talking? And my thoughts was, I don't remember applying to the church. I don't know who Peter is. Where are you? And he goes, oh, I'm in uh, Stewartstown. And again, I was like, I don't know where Stewartstown is. And he goes, in Pennsylvania. And he, I was like, oh, that church, the one that I was never going to hear from again. And so got to talking, went through the process, and the further I got along in the process, I was like, oh man, I'm moving to Pennsylvania. <laughs> like that. It's not the South. That's not in the Bible Belt. I don't know anything about that area. And then I was like, God, this, this is not what I signed up for. I threw my name in the hat, but I didn't want it. I was just doing it because it was there. And got to the final part, and it came to a realization between me and God where I was like, all right, God, am I going to truly be a living sacrifice? I'll do anything you tell me to do. Or do I have stipulations to what I think it means to be a sacrifice? And I said, all right, God, I'll do it. I'll go. And so my wife and I have been there for three and a half years. So far, it doesn't look like we're moving back. There's nothing God's told me that we're moving back. I end up leaning more to the side of, I might be here the rest of my life if God has me here. But I can tell you that there's been so many blessings, so much that God has done through my wife and I's marriage, through our life. Both of our kids are born in Pennsylvania. We didn't have kids before we went there, so both of them have Pennsylvania birth certificates. Um, but they, he has done so much in our lives that I know if I wouldn't have trusted in him and said, God, I will be a living sacrifice and do anything you've called me to, that I'd have missed out on. And so we have believers, we live by the Spirit of God. We serve God. Even when it sounds crazy, we follow God above all else. Second thing we see here is he says in verse 3, uh, that believers boast in Christ Jesus. So we, believers boast in Christ Jesus. What does that look like? Galatians 6.14, I think, does a great job of that, of explaining it. Paul says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age. Galatians Sounds very much like, I'm going to make sure that I'm actually reading this right. I wrote it down on my paper, but I might have copied Romans. If I can flip to Galatians. This is Bible drills. You guys ever do Bible drills before? Amen. 
I want the candy at the, in the bucket. I've got to get there first. Galatians 6.14. I'll read it from the Bible because then I won't mess it up. It says, But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. So what we see there is Paul's writing in Galatians. He's saying, look, I'm not going to boast in the world. I'm not going to boast in the things of this world. Right? Because, again, it's nothing I do for salvation. Everything I do is because of Christ. Amen. And even when we look to church ministry, we look to our lives as Christians, as we look to everything we do, if we start to boast about ourselves and say, look what I did, and Paul had reason to boast. Paul does a lot of stuff through Acts. He did a lot of stuff in his early life. He does a lot of stuff that he could boast about. Yet he says in this passage that I counted all as dung. It's all worthless. It's pointless without Christ. So I cannot boast in my own good works. I cannot boast in what I do. I can only boast in Christ Jesus. In verse 9 he says, in, uh, in verse 8 and 9 we see, more than that I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung, so that I may, I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Again, he's pointing out, it is not me. I've done nothing. Even when the church looks towards him and be like, oh man, Paul wrote us a letter, and they get super excited about it. Paul's like, hey, don't get excited about me. I'm just doing what Christ has told me to do. I am only the messenger. It is him that you look to, him that you adore. It is him that we boast in. Right? If thousands come to Christ, it is not us who brought them to Christ. It is Christ. We are just the messenger. We can't just take the good side. I mean, we see where Jesus says that if you go out and you share the gospel and they reject you, don't be upset because they rejected me. And they didn't even just reject me, they rejected the one who sent me, God the Father. So we can't just look at the bad and be like, oh, they rejected the message I had, so they rejected God. And then, oh, they accepted the message I had, so they accepted what I had to say. No, it's all Christ. If they accept, it's Christ. If they reject, it's Christ. If our ministry, if we serve in the church and the church grows, it's Christ. If it dies, it's Christ. Everything that happens is Christ and Christ alone. And so we as believers do not put confidence in ourselves. Or we do not boast in ourselves. We boast in Christ and all that Christ does. Finally, final part of this, is believers do not have confidence in the flesh. We see that in verse 3. He says, that final part of verse 3, do not put confidence in the flesh. Right? He's challenging them, telling them, do not put confidence in yourself. Because it is going to fail you if you do so. And Paul gives this nice rap sheet here. Right? He kind of gives them a holy smackdown. He goes, oh, you think you're a good Christian? Let me tell you what I've done. And in verse 4 he says, Although I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisees, uh, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteous that is in the law, blameless. Right? Paul is really digging in here, saying, no matter what you say, I did it better. Anything you can do, I've done better. I have the most confidence that I could put in myself in all the work I've done. But it's all worthless. None of it means anything. 
And if we go through the room, we could each go back and forth saying, oh, well, I read my Bible every day. Well, I read my Bible four, five hours a day. I pray every day. I pray multiple hours a day. I do this. I do that. And we could start challenging each other to see who has the better Christian rap sheet. But that's not going to do anything for us. We're just going to sit here, get angry at each other, start yelling at each other, leave and might not come back next Sunday. And if we do, we'll walk in, see the person that irritated us, and we'll leave because we don't want to be around them. Right? We can't have confidence in ourselves because it's not us that do it. Nothing we do is of our own accord. It's only through Christ that we're allowed to do it. We have to be very, very careful of that when we start talking about serving God because it becomes very easy as pastors, as leaders, as servants in different ministries in the church, as evangelists who go out and share the gospel. And anything we do, it's very easy to start saying, ha, when I started this, you know, for instance, if I've done a lot in youth ministry, and it's very easy in youth ministry to start looking at numbers as numbers grow and as things change, going, ha, I started this with 10 kids, and now I've got 45 kids. I'm doing all right. It's like, no, you're not. Christ is doing all right. Christ is doing a lot of great things. We can look at our churches, and pastors are really good about looking at church numbers and challenging each other to see who has more and who has less. But it doesn't matter because it is Christ. One of the things we've been saying a lot in our church in Stewartstown is why are we here? We've been asking the question, why are we here? And we've come to the conclusion, our pastor and I have come to the conclusion, that we are here in Stewartstown, we're there in Stewartstown to reach those who are in Stewartstown, to reach those who are in Hopewell Township, to reach those in our area for the gospel. And I challenge you that Four Mile Creek is here for the same reason. You are here to reach those who are in Moss Point, Mississippi. Your job is to go out, share the gospel, love people, care for people, and if the church grows because of it, praise God. If people come to Christ, praise God. It is not you, it is not Pastor Craig, it is no one in this building who does anything if it's not for Christ. As you read through Acts, that's what Acts tells you, is nothing we do is of our own uh, works, but it is through Christ and Christ alone. So I'll finish our time this morning asking this. Are you, who call yourself a Christian this morning, marked by the works of the gospel? Are you living a way that, as Paul shares here with these three marks, that you are reflecting that in everything you do? Is the gospel the cornerstone of everything you do as a Christian? Or do you compare yourself to everyone else, saying they're not as good as me because I do this? Hey, they're not this, as great as I am because I have this many people in my area of ministry. I have this many people that I've shared the gospel with and given their life to Christ. I do this, I do that. If you're doing that, stop. Like, that's the easiest way I can say it, stop. That's detrimental to you, that's detrimental to this church, that's just detrimental to Christianity across the country. Amen. Like, that's the reason people look to Christianity and call us a bunch of hypocrites. Because we would rather fight each other than to fight the devil out in the streets and the byways, praising God, sharing the gospel with the lost. We get wrapped up in ourselves. And we are not worth a whole lot without Christ. It is Christ that gives us worth. Second part is maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Christ. You know, I'm sharing this and I'm talking about that it is all Christ. It is nothing of you. It's nothing that you've done. And you hear that and you say, man, I've never done that. I've never put my faith in Christ. I've never received Christ. I've always thought it's because of what I did that I'm saved. 
Well, if that's you, come talk. In a minute, Pastor Craig's going to be down here. Come talk to him. Grab him. Pray, let him pray with you. Talk with you through giving your life to Christ because it is the most important decision you will ever make in your life is to trust in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. But it starts with you putting your faith in him, seeing what he's done and saying, I want to trust you. I want to do everything in my life for you. So with that, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And as they come up, I'm going to pray. Pastor Craig's going to come down here. And then we'll sing a song, a time of reflection. So if you haven't given your life to Christ, come down and talk. If you have given your life to Christ, but you've been putting your own works as the cornerstone of your life, pray about it. Say, God, let me make you first and foremost in my life. Let me make you above all else. So let's pray. And then we will have a time of response. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity we've had to read your word. God, I pray that as we go through our lives, as we serve with each other, as we worship you, Lord, that we would be a living sacrifice. We would be a people that are marked by your love. Lord, that you would transform us into your image. That those around this church, Lord, those that are around us in our workplaces and in all that we do in life, they would see us and say, what is different? I want to know. And we'd be able to share the good news of who you are with them. And share with them the fact that you love them and you desire a relationship with them. God, we pray, help us to be a mighty power for your name. In Jesus' name, amen.